Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. To the, your interview with Ina Hillebrand, who, uh, who, who's an expert on uh, how to write a memoir. Yes. And uh, yes. that's what makes my my uh, my job so interesting. Well, there's so many different subjects, and I promote. Uh, I have promoted probably over four thousand books in my career because uh, uh, after I graduated from uh, the University of Michigan in 1948, uh, I got involved in the record industry and then quickly into the book industry, and uh, I worked for various uh, companies and did a lot of uh, promotions uh, with the authors and i just love authors i love writers uh, uh, I, I find they got an open mind and that's very very important you find that true too yes that, uh, it's yes, great, great to talk with authors because uh, they they're free of any uh, inhibitions they, they they don't have they don't seem to have any prejudices they have uh, as i say an open mind uh, and uh, when you've got an open mind, uh, you can really write freely and honestly as possible. So that's why I love authors. Anyhow, uh, uh, Deborah and I have three children. Our oldest daughter has uh, just turned 62. As I said, we've been married uh, over 63 years, and uh, we thought it was going to continue forever. But you know something? Uh, my mother told me once, many, many, many years ago, Erwin, we don't live forever. We don't live forever and uh, try to enjoy every moment. So uh, that's what I hope uh, people who are listening to us uh, are doing with their lives, enjoying every moment possible. Just enjoy the moment. You never know when that button is pressed and, and life is over. You just don't know. And uh, as I said, I had a, a glorious uh, life with my wife, but uh, the last two years were very, very difficult uh, with her severe case of dementia, and it was, it was really rough. But uh, I'd like to talk about uh, my, my twin daughters, Judy and yes, Sharon Circle. Yes, yes, let, let, uh, let's talk about been, them. They've they been guests on your show. Uh, they uh, they, they started their career at the age of 16 years of age when they were in uh, Beverly Hills High School. They started off with a book called How to Survive Snack Attacks. That, that was their first <laughs> book. They were 16 years old, and they got a publisher immediately in Santa Barbara, and the book did very, very well. And they went on to write about six or seven more books, um, mostly uh, with the vegetarian angle. They are vegetarians. Uh, I'm not, uh, but but uh, uh, but but I, I I respect anybody who is a vegetarian because it is a good way of life. And uh, but I like to have more variety in my life besides just uh, vegetarian foods. I, I like a steak once in a while and um, other things. You know, it was it's just the way it goes. But anyhow. 
my daughters uh, would normally join us here, but they are right now having lunch with somebody, a dear friend of theirs, who's having her birthday today. So uh, well, I'm awesome. sorry that they could, they, awesome. they couldn't be with you, but we'll, we'll book them with you uh, in the near future, oh, and yes. I'm sure yes. it'll be very, very successful. Yep. Now, now, Erwin, you're you're a PR executive. Uh, as 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 we've talked about in the past, some of your uh, amazing adventures with some of the different uh, different folks out there, uh, and then you've got your, your your twin daughters and their incredible book careers. Uh, what what other tidbits have you have you gathered over the years uh, from doing your your PR work and your your book publishing and 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 being involved in in that industry? Because a quick little Google search, as you always like to say, um, you met Milton Burrow or worked with Milton Burrow. Tell me about this. Well, a lot of beautiful things that have happened with me over the years. In the, in the promotion of books and authors. Uh, I am, as you know, uh, the founder of an organization called the Book Publicists of Southern California. Yes, uh, yes. Which I, which I founded, believe it or not, 45 years ago, and it is still going strong. I am still the guiding force behind this uh, uh, organization, the Book Publicists of Southern California. Uh, we have meetings every two months or so, but right now with this virus crisis, uh, it's been difficult to have meetings at a hotel or a restaurant or a special place. So we do everything on Zoom, and we have a terrific meeting this Thursday, uh, which is, will be a Zoom, we call it a zoom posium. A Zoom, but it's a Zoom meeting, and it's going to be very successful because we we have a, several speakers who are going to give uh, tips on how to uh, how to promote uh, books in these trying times. It's it's really difficult. It's been a a very difficult year. Whether you're in radio or TV or uh, working with a newspaper or you have a, a business of your own, uh, you've been relegated to your home over the past year, and it hasn't been easy to function. But maybe we're getting out of it now. Yeah. How How is it in your uh, uh, section of the world? Is it, uh, is it loosening up a bit? Are restaurants opening up? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The, here's here's the thing about Kansas. Kansas is a I, uh, is a Republican. Are you wearing a mask? <laughs> uh, well, I'm wearing a mask when I'm out in public. A lot of people think I should be wearing a mask when I'm not in public, but. Uh... Well, I think you would look better with a mask. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing about the mask is that uh, a lot of people were not recognizable. You know, we didn't know who the hell they were, you know. But uh, I'm still wearing a mask uh, when I go to a, a restaurant. Well, not a restaurant, to a grocery store or a public store or something. But I, I think uh, we might re- revert to something normal by the end of this year, I hope. You know, yeah, it, it should it should work out. But, uh, by the way, uh, if anybody would like to uh, contact me uh, about a book they may be thinking about, because my opinion is that everybody has a book within them. 
everybody can write a book, and uh, no no book uh, should be a flop because uh, you know if you have a lot of extra books, they make uh, wonderful gifts for the relatives around uh, Christmas time. Really, uh, you know. So I, I think everybody should be encouraged to write a book, and if you write a page a day, I think that's great. Uh, just you know, and before you know it, you got a book. But I'm against uh, these very thick books. Uh, I, I like books just about uh, oh, under 200 pages. Uh, books that uh, have a good dialogue. Books that uh, move uh, move swiftly uh, and and uh, and wherever there's humor, uh, I love that. I, I I just love to read a, a fun book. And um, there are a lot of books that are helpful. Uh, you know, no matter what the subject is, like with my twin daughter's books, uh, um, about three-quarters of the books that they've been writing lately have uh, recipes, food recipes, cooking recipes. And uh, so uh, the, the, the latest book of theirs, uh, 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 The Memory Diet, is, is considered a cookbook. And uh, there are, believe it or not, 150 recipes in this book for, for the proper care and feeding of your brain. And as I say, uh, this book by Judy and Shari Zucker, my twin daughters, uh, it's dedicated to my wife, Deborah, uh, who passed away a month ago, unfortunately. And uh, the book uh, it will, will be continued with heavy promotion uh, when we're going to try to help people with, uh, if we can find a way to prevent dementia, you know, uh, so far, it's it's been difficult, uh, like any uh, disease or or ailment or anything. It, it's it's tough to find an answer. If you can prevent the disease, that's that's what I think is the the trick in our business. If we can learn how to prevent certain ailments, certain problems, especially uh, let's say cancer. If we could learn how to prevent cancer that would be sensational but it's, it's not easy by the way i'm involved with, uh, with publicizing an organization called the cancer control society yes and you've yes. had speakers from the cancer control society on your show and uh, we've got to educate everybody we've got to uh, to uh, have people learn from each other and that's what i like about authors I learned from them. I remember when I was in high school uh, and I was editing my high school newspaper, I, I would run into a lot of journalists from colleges and, and from other schools. I would run into famous authors like Norman, Norman Mailer, who uh, was a, a, a famous author, and others. And it, I, I loved dealing with authors. And uh, that's been the course of my life. As I say, I'm 93 years old right now. I'm still working around the clock. And by the way, I'm promoting a book on uh, retirement, you know. And uh, I, and people told me, don't you ever think you'll retire, Irwin? And I said, I don't know what the word retire means. Uh, I, I don't feel like retiring. I just like uh, working and doing things with people. And if uh, things continue this way, uh, I hope. It'll continue this way. It'll be terrific. Uh, but I, I, I like uh, dealing with health subjects. 
Um, to me, the books that sell best are sex, are dealing with sex, health, and wealth. Those are the those are the books that really do well. Sex, health, and wealth. Uh, I don't have too much luck with books of fiction, although I think they should be written and continued. By the way, when I mentioned retirement, uh, the book that I was promoting was called The Retirement Mirage by Nancy Height, H-I-T-E. Terrific book. And there's a book that I'm enjoying a lot that's a fun book right now uh, by a gentleman named Stephen Joseph. But the book is a grown-up guide to effective crankiness. This, this author really gets to me. He, he says everybody is cranky at one time or another, and there's nothing wrong with being cranky. You should be thanky for cranky, you know. And if you are a little cranky, don't worry about it. it it's, uh, it's an, it's, it could be effective in your life, and so on and so forth. But anyhow, we're just working like crazy around the clock. I've got clients I've had for years, and and a lot of the clients have become good friends. People like Dr. Nick Delgado and Ron Zayas, who you've interviewed, Lloyd Wright and David Mulatto, and now Susan Moss is a terrific young lady who is very much involved in this vaccine controversy right now, believe it or not. I've, got, I've had one shot so far. I'm getting my next shot uh, this coming Tuesday. Um, uh, but uh, there, there are problems with people who, who don't want the vaccine. And this client of mine, Susan Moss, um, it, it, it just wants more information about the effectiveness of the, of the of the vaccine. Uh, do you think it's been effective? Uh, what, what do you think? Well, uh, I, I think it's I think it's been effective on 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 some folks, and then there's other folks that have gotten serious reactions and have been very ill. Well, well, that's error. As I said, I said a few minutes ago, uh, authors we have to be educators. We have to educate the general public on things, and uh, like on this vaccine. Uh, we need uh, a lot of uh, education on it, and it's, a, it's just a worldwide situation uh, in, in every every country and every city in the world. Uh, the, the vaccine is something everybody is talking about and is trying to get a hold of, you know. But anyhow, uh, as I said before, books dealing with sex, health, and wealth, they seem to, to be doing the very best. They really, they really do. And um, I've got to say, that was what my wife was really much into, health books in particular. She, uh, she really had a great lecture from her twin daughters, Judy and Shari, who were really ardent uh, vegetarians. And they became great chefs. And uh, they often asked Judy and Shari, how come you're such, such a good chef? And their answer was, well, mom was not the world's greatest cook. So we had to learn the art of cooking, and we had to <laughs> develop recipes and everything. And uh, so we started in, in high school when we heard one of the teachers talk about vegetarianism. So uh, we became a, a vegetarian addict, and uh, they've done very, very well. 
uh, we're very fortunate. We we have five grandchildren right now, and uh, they're they're all doing very very well. They're very successful, and we're very happy about that. And we love people who get involved in the book world. Um, I was just saying that uh, I think almost everybody has a book within them. If uh, if anybody would like to contact me, is it okay if I give out my phone number? Yes, go ahead, Erwin. Go okay. ahead, my if, if, any, if anybody would like to contact me with a question about how to get a book going, how to get it started, you can call me Erwin Zucker. Erwin is I-R-W-I-N, and Zucker, Z is a zebra, Z-U-C-K-E-R. I'm, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills area. My phone number is 323-461-3921. Again, 323-461-3921. If you don't have a pen or pen handy, uh, you can call the station later, and uh, either Jiggy will give you the phone number or uh, James will give you the phone number. They both have it. Well, By the way, they do a great job. Uh, Thank you. Uh, James Lowe is uh, one of my favorite uh, radio people in the entire United <laughs> States because we, we promote you. books all over the United States. The great thing about uh, Jiggy Jaguar and James Lowe, they seem to get along together very well. They're, you know, great they, they, they do. They do. For, for whatever reason or another, they, they do. It, it's pretty amazing, Erwin. Well, they get along great, and uh, so if anybody uh, didn't have a pen or pencil to get my phone number, they can contact either Jiggy or, or, or James Lowe at the station, and uh, you'll get it. But uh, as I said, you know, you can't go wrong writing a book. Uh, you've got to make the book interesting, entertaining, informative, humorous as possible, have great dialogue. Have it easy to read, and uh, don't try to do the proofreading yourself. Have somebody, you know, go through the book with uh, some valid suggestions, and it generally will work out that way, believe it or not. They can help you tremendously, uh, really. It'll work out very, very well. Because if you try to do your own editing, you, you may not see the, the errors uh, uh, there. So uh, get, get uh, professional people to help you with, with the editing. Uh, I know that you're going to enjoy uh, our, our next interview in about a half hour or less uh, with uh, Ina, um, Ina Hillebrand, uh, a lovely lady yes, that I, I've enjoyed working with over the past few years. And... Uh, she, she's going to have some great tips for you on uh, how to write a memoir. Yeah, yeah. And if it's a book about your mother, you can call it a, a memoir. M-O-M-O-I-R. There's no such word, but uh, we, we just coined it a instead of a... I love it. Well, Erwin, I am going to let you go, my friend. We're going to get to Ina Hillebrand here in less than 10 minutes. Thanks for doing this. Oh, and there he goes. <laughs> classic, classic Irwin. He just disappeared. Classic Irwin. Well, uh, that is that. <laughs> that is that. As they say, 
And I don't know why they're saying it, but they are a decent. One of 700 radio show hosts included in the book, Radio Wants You, an intimate portrait of 700 radio shows that welcome guests. What a loser. And this is Interviews from the Past and Present, now available on JiggyJagwire.com. I was really surprised about that. The other way. Time to get involved and get loud. I'll see you back at TV. Now, the Jiggy Jaguar Show on JiggyJaguar.com. Call from. And there he is, Erwin Zucker. <laughs> I love it. Erwin, how are you, sir? Okay, everything's under control. Yes. You want another phone number of mine? No, we're good to go. If if you're ready to get on the air with us, we're we're live as live can get. So uh, should I I I hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> now uh, we've got the. It's whatever you want to do, brother. It's your call, man. There he is. I don't know. Did he hang up? What happened? Irwin's gone. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, still broadcasting, at least in my headphones, from a tunnel. The tunnel. Or channel. I don't know what that means. It is the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Show, coast to coast to border to border all over the world wide web over there. That's Irwin Zucker, by the way. From there he is, Erwin Zucker. How are you, yeah, sir? Yeah, yeah. Well, after Jig Jag, this interview, right. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, Erwin, how, how are you? We've got Erwin Zucker with us on the line. Erwin Zucker is a promotion in motion. Uh, he is a, a fabulous uh, booking agent. He, he books us uh, all sorts of different people. We've had on everybody from Diane Collins to T.S. Wiley to uh, just a ton of different people in the past. And... Um, Erwin is uh, an incredible individual himself. Uh, talk to me a little bit about um, your background, Erwin, because you have an incredible background in the publicity <laughs> arena. Well, you, you sound like you're my press agent. You know, everybody <laughs> can use uh, good PR, which is public relations. Yes. Everybody can use a press agent. So I want to thank you for being my press agent. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, I've always loved the written word. Uh, I grew up, you probably can't tell by my accent, but I grew up in New York, in Brooklyn, New York, <laughs> And I went to an all-boys high school that had a lot of literary greats eventually, like uh, Norman Mailer. Norman Mailer graduated from the school in 1939, and he was probably the top uh, literary man in our school. But I graduated in 1944. Yeah, and I was editor of the high school newspaper. I was president of the senior class. And after that, uh, I went to the uh, University of Michigan. Well, I was in the Army. I was at 18. I was in the Army on our side uh, doing uh, a newspaper. I was editing uh, the Camp Lee Traveler in, in Camp Lee, Virginia, which is uh, part of Richmond, Virginia. So I've had an experience in journalism. That was my major forte. 
but I eventually graduated from the University of Michigan in 1948 as a journalism major. And then I returned to New York in search of uh, fame, fortune, and women in 1948. Yeah, and I started uh, working for various companies. I was mostly in the record industry at the beginning, in 1948. Actually, there, there was a strike going on in the record industry, believe it or not. Uh, the musicians uh, weren't working, so the, uh, the, the the recording artists used to make sounds that sounded like um, music, that sounded like instruments. Isn't that interesting? That, that is that's interesting. What they, they did. They, they, they made these sounds, and they managed to put out some records in the year 1948. But I was with a company called Decca Records, and Decca Records had uh, Bing Crosby, Al Jolson, the Andrews Sisters, and so many other greats that I rubbed shoulders with. So I was groomed in the record industry in New York City, and then I, I went to MGM Records. After about four years with uh, Decca Records, uh, I, uh, I switched labels to get more money. And then in 1955, I decided to form my own public relations firm in 1955. And uh, I drove from uh, New York to Florida, through Texas, uh, New Mexico, to California in, in 1955. And I uh, sort of flourished with my own uh, record promotion firm and public relations firm. And then eventually, I was promoting uh, literary works, books and authors. So I promoted uh, in the record industry, and I promoted in the uh, book industry. So I'm pretty knowledgeable in both. That is that is an absolute amazing ride. We've got Erwin Zucker with us today here on the big broadcast, talking about his uh, his his background in uh, just uh, promotion, uh, publicity, all sorts of different things. Now, uh, Erwin, talk to me a little bit about the the books. Uh, a, a lot of people always. Uh, uh, talk about how they want to write books, how they... Uh, uh, right, right. You know, the, well, to be honest with you, I think everybody has a book within them. Uh, the, per, the people who are listening to this show, the hundreds or the thousands of people listening to the show, each have a book within them. And the book can serve a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ways for somebody. Uh, and uh, I remember I got started in the book promotion business uh, around 1956 when I came to California, and the first major major author that I promoted in 1956 was uh, a gentleman named Norman Vincent Peale. He was a famous uh, minister, preacher. He, he headed the uh, Marble Collegiate Church in, in New York, and he had a, a very big best-selling book called The Power of Positive Thinking. It was a it was a phenomenal bestseller, The Power of Positive Thinking. But the the, the publishing company Prentice Hall assigned me to promote his life story called Minister to Millions. Well, in those days, if you had a big selling book, everybody wanted you. So for about two weeks, I got uh, Norman Vincent Peale on all the top radio shows, TV shows, newspapers, and the publishing company thought I was a genius. But actually, it was very easy because he had an established bestseller, The Power of Positive Thinking. And from there on, I, 
I got a lot of other authors, other publishing companies, you know, hired me over the years, and it was a lot of fun. And eventually, my wife came out with a couple of books, and my twin daughters have five uh, books. You might have interviewed one of the twins. Oh, uh, yes, indeed. They, they, uh, they are a ball of energy, my friend. Yeah, well, they, uh, what your audience may not know, they were on the Today Show, September 4th, the day after Labor Day, uh, with their book on allergy control. They they did that, and they got a big write-up in the Los Angeles Times, and they're working on a, a new book. So uh, my wife is an author, my twin daughters are an author, and you better be careful, young man. My wife, my wife, my oldest daughter is in radio, and she may want your job, so you gotta got to be very careful. You know? <laughs> well, hey, on, just, on, on days like this, yeah. on days like this, I would say, you can have it, sister. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, oh, your day hasn't... Be going too well. Well, we got to make it better. For we've you. we've we've because had you. we've had computer issues, and we've we've had all sorts of different things. But but we're still here, Irwin. We're still getting it going, my friend. We've got Irwin Zucker with us on the line. He is uh, promotion in motion. Uh, just an amazing uh, publicity. Uh, you, you've done all sorts of things. You've worked with all sorts of people. Talk to me about some of the people you've worked with over the years uh, in the publicity world, and uh, either either well, with them or yeah. or booking them on shows or or talk to me about some of the names man yeah well i'll tell you my my favorite author of all time was a lady who unfortunately passed away a few weeks ago her name was helen Gurley brown and she came out with a book many years ago called sex and the single girl she was married to a hollywood producer named david brown and they were married for about 50 years Uh, well we we promoted the book sex and the single girl and we had a field day with it. We got, a, we got on a zillion shows, not only in Los Angeles, but around the nation. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to get into talk radio. You've got to get on television. You've got to get uh, we call print media, meaning newspapers and magazines. And with Helen Gurley Brown, uh, she had a phenomenal seller called Sex and the Single Girl. Interesting thing about that title, which became a movie, by the way, uh, at the beginning, the L.A. Times wouldn't let us advertise because they thought that Sex and the Single Girl was a little too racy. And uh, we had to convince them that it wasn't. This was what was going on in America. Women were having sex. Guys were having sex. And you had to be an adult about it. But they finally relented, and they let us advertise with them. Now, the book became a phenomenal bestseller. In fact, in that time, Dinah Shaw had a television show, and everybody said, oh, you'll never get on the Dinah Shaw show. Well, guess what? The Dinah Shaw producers called us and said, oh, can we get uh, Miss J? We had a different book at that time, uh, The Sensuous Woman. We were promoting The Sensuous Woman by a, a lady called Just J. Her real name was uh, uh, Terry Garrity. Well, anyhow, uh, so she, uh, Ellen Gurley Brown, Terry Garrity, and uh, I I promoted, actually, we were figuring it out the other day, we have promoted thousands of authors, believe it or not, over the years, we've promoted thousands of authors. Most of our authors are unknown to start with, but eventually they become pretty well known. So 
that's our job is to uh, work with authors. I've been in California since 1955 promoting books and authors. I believe everybody can be an author. And uh, you don't have to worry how many books you sell because if you don't sell too many books, they make wonderful Christmas presents for your relatives. Uh, it's nice to, to send the book to a relative. <laughs> so, but, I like that. I'll tell you, the, 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 the books that sell best the books today that sell best deal with sex, health, or wealth. And uh, it's pretty tough to get a book of poetry going. So many people come to me and they say, I've got a terrific book of poetry. I say, well, it's a tough one to sell. Or I've got a book of fiction. Fiction is very tough to sell. But if you deal with nonfiction, you deal with uh, subjects of sex relationships, deal with, uh, with wealth, financial books sell very well. And something that we've been very strong in, in the field of health, health and medicine, uh, sells very well. People have problems, uh, and it's amazing how people are, are searching for how-to books, how to improve one's life. So, But I, I think everybody has a book within them, and uh, it, today it's a lot easier. We've got Erwin Zucker with us today here on the big broadcast. He is uh, he is an amazing, amazing guy. He's uh, he's with us today to talk about uh, books and uh, do you have a book in you? That is, uh, I think Erwin's still with us. Erwin, are you? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? He's dropped out. Buddy else. There he is. We're doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, we, are we on the same wavelength right now? We, we, we are still on the same wavelength, my friend. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, – there, there is a ton of people, and, and I've spoken to a few of, a few of your people about this. Um, talk to me about how hard it is to get a book in the, uh, published and, and out there. Um, there are a well, lot of people it, that want to do books. It's very difficult to get books published today. It's very, it's with, well, I say that with the traditional publishers. It's very difficult to get the books published with the traditional publishers. Today, we're in the era of self-publishing. People can publish books themselves. They can go to Amazon.com, for example, and work out something with the Amazon.com people where you can get a book printed. It could be in the form of a, an e-book or a, a traditional book. Uh, we're in the world of digital publishing, and it's very easy to promote a book uh, that's out that looks like a professional book. So uh, today, everything is working for an author, really, in the right direction. For example, I have a book in front of me called Sandy and Sandy. It's, the subtitle is A Tale of Love. That's what it's, Sandy and Sandy, A Tale of Love. And uh, it's interesting, this lady, Sandy Wallen, who lives in Southern California, uh, uh, inherited a dog, and the dog's name was Sandy. <laughs> so oh, yes. her name was Sandy. Yes, I, I... So she decided to write a book about the adventures with Sandy the dog. And uh, the book is called simply Sandy and Sandy, A Tale of Love. And tale is spelled T-A-I-L, A Tale of Love. So uh, 
uh, it's uh, you, you might want her as a guest on your show in the near future, uh, Sandy Wallen. Because, are you a dog lover? Oh yes, I, I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy dogs. I I I think they're they're really 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 cool. Or when I I love dogs. Well, well, we have so many dog lovers and so many cat lovers and so many pet lovers all over the United States. So, so if people want to write a book, all they have to do is look around themselves and see what's going on. Uh, but to, you've got to make the book interesting, informative, and entertaining. It's like doing a radio show. You've got to keep it alive. You've got to keep it going. And uh, most people are capable of writing a book. The good thing about books today, they're not very thick. You, you can write a thin book, you know, just maybe up to about 200 pages, and you don't have to go far, far further than that because uh, people are just not interested in reading thick books, really. Uh, keep it thin, so to speak. But... You've got to give valuable information to people. You've got to give valuable information. And you've got to make it entertaining, as I said, and informative. And uh, people in radio or the, uh, in, in TV or uh, who people work for newspapers, by golly, um, they, they have information right at their fingertips that they can put onto the printed page. So I'd say that almost everybody has a book within them. And by the way, I don't know when we're going to end this interview, but uh, if anybody would like a, a copy of our newsletter, which is called Know Thy Shelf, S-H-E-L-F, I'd be very happy to send them a copy of the newsletter or some back issues of the newsletter. Because uh, about 37 years ago, I founded an organization called the Book Publicists of Southern California, and we've been meeting uh, every other month in Los Angeles for 37 years, and we have a 1,000 members in our group, and uh, it's just a great organization. So, uh, in fact, a, uh, a talk radio personality gave me the title for the newsletter, which is called Know Thy Shelf. And uh, it's a great title. It's a great pun. And uh, I write the newsletter. I've been writing it for 36 years. We're in a, we just started our 37th year. So we're going full blast. Uh, we have a lot of interesting authors. And you have certainly uh, interviewed a lot of our authors, which we appreciate very, very much. Because we, 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 we find that talk radio is one of the great avenues of promotion. We, we need talk radio. Radio. It keeps the books alive. Yes, indeed, it does. I, I completely great. agree with you. And on that. News, newspapers are great, yeah. Well, Erwin, uh, we're going to wrap it up here today. I appreciate you making time for us today. I, I, I have always wanted, I know that we talk on the phone all the time. And I and I book all of your clients pretty much, but uh, I've never got a chance to talk to you. And I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to talk to you today. And you know, being 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 a New York boy, um, I would love uh, to see you on Francatolo's radio show at some point because he's a New York boy. Okay. And I bet and I bet you guys could have a hell of a conversation about New York. 
<laughs> I can guarantee you. And by the way, I, I'm really, I, I was unexpected for me to be a guest today, but we our client, T.S. Wiley, who's written a book on how to get good sleep called Lights Out, uh, she fell ill and she was throwing up, vomiting about uh, a half hour ago. So you were kind enough to invite me to pinch it for one of my clients. That's a first. Uh, so, so maybe you'll have our, maybe you'll have T.S. Wiley on next next week. I know you you you've done it in the past. Definitely, so but I, I definitely week. I definitely want to talk to her next week. But Irwin, we are uh, about out of time. But thanks for doing this, and I will touch base with you uh, later on this week, sir. And, and, and good luck with uh, Miss Diane Collins. Defin- definitely. Yeah. Looking forward to speaking with her after the break. So uh, thank you, sir, Thanks. and we will uh, talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks Appreciate it, Erwin. Yeah. Have a okay. good one, my friend. Now, Erwin uh, Zucker, the uh, the great Erwin Zucker. I think we fixed our music problem. I think we fixed our music problem. It was the Winamp. Uh. Okay. <laughs> There's something very, very wrong with us. We get back I here. Feel like such a a show. Quite right. So you should. We're mutants. Oh, ungratefully. Find out more at JiggyJaguar.com. Video interviews. Past, but he didn't even know the plant still existed. This is Malcolm All Out. Get involved, get loud. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar Show on the network. Back here on the big broadcast. We've got a tremendous guest with us today. Ronald Kugler joins us. He's an MD turned novelist. He resides in Santa Barbara, California. He's originally from Atlantic City, New Jersey. His latest book is Benito's Gambit. Winning rave reviews across the country, likely to be a big movie someday. And uh, he's got some stories. He's, I want to have him talk to us about Elvis Presley and meeting him at a karate studio. But uh, before we get into that, I want to welcome uh, the great Dr. Ronald Kugler to the broadcast. Ronald, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. How are you? Pretty good, actually. Talk to us about uh, your incredible journey, my friend. Uh, you, you've, you're an MD turned novelist. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that transition. Well, I uh, retired early and uh, went into uh, writing. I always wanted uh, went to uh, I wanted to write a, a novel, and I got involved in this uh, uh, trilog- trilogy. Three books. The third book is coming out in uh, next uh, year. So uh, I'm pretty excited about the book. We've got uh, Ronald Kugler joining us today. He's an MD turned novelist. He resides in Santa Barbara, California. He's originally from Las Vegas. Why did you make the uh, transition from Santa Barbara uh, or, or from Atlantic City to Santa Barbara? Well, I was uh, wanted to be close to my uh, children and my grandchildren, and uh, I liked it better in uh, in Santa Barbara. And Atlantic City is, uh, uh, I could see it was turning downhill, so <laughs> it's not doing so well. You got out while the getting was good. Is that pretty yeah, much that's right? <laughs> We've got uh, Ronald Kugler joining us today. He's an MD turned novelist. He's a uh, 
just an amazing, amazing guy. Talk to me about this this latest book, Benito's Gambit. Well, it's a part of a trilogy. The first book is called Chasing the Stargazer. It came out came out in nineteen, uh, I mean, uh, two thousand eleven. And the second book just came out. I have book signing the other day. A very good uh, reception. And it's uh, taking uh, uh, the uh, protagonist uh, down from a, uh, from an, a, um, a lifeguard in Atlantic City uh, to a, a uh, United States Senator for the state of California. This is in uh, this is in uh, 2000, uh, 2000 uh, I mean, uh, 1946, 19, uh, uh, 46, 47. Yeah. And, uh, and it goes on to 1986 during the Reagan administration. And uh, they got into trouble in the, uh, with the uh, Iran-Contra business the president and uh, his group, and uh, they, I got interested in it, and uh, it, it occurred about the same time as my my book, and I got involved in the Iran-Contra mess and the mafia, and uh, it's a lot of fun writing. Got a tremendous guest with us today here on the line. Ronald Kugler joins us. He has uh, got Benito's Gamut, which is winning rave reviews. It's likely going to be a big movie. Uh, talk to us about meeting Elvis Presley. I understand that you met the met the king at a karate studio in Los Angeles, and you guys uh, you guys talked guns. Talk to me a little bit about this. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I was uh, in a karate studio, Kenpo Karate, in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, we were working out because. About two of us or three of us were in the studio at the time, and uh, Elvis uh, came in. I didn't recognize him immediately, uh, but he was work- uh, working f- uh, for his uh, uh, back belt and was looking for uh, uh, Par- Ed Parker, who yeah. was his trainer. Yep, yep, the great and, Ed Parker, man. Yeah, he's looking for him, and, but he didn't realize that uh, Ed Parker didn't show up at uh, his uh, uh, West Los Angeles studio very often, uh, but he was there, and uh, I got talking to him, and they, the other two guys drifted away, and uh, he showed me in his coat. He was carrying three guns. He always carried three guns in his, inside of his jacket. And he he was very nice. I was very impressed with him. Uh, he was uh, thin at the time. Uh, he yeah. had a weight problem sometimes, but uh, he he was nice. He was just a lovely guy. And he was, I think it's because uh, he uh, was studying karate. The one thing he did, uh, maybe he wanted to be a karate instructor at one time. And... Um, he went through it uh, most of his life. He learned karate in this in the army. He was in the army for two years. He learned karate in the army, and he uh, eventually found Ed Parker. That was his latest uh, mentor, and uh, he was doing uh, very well. And he was a uh, 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 sixth degree 
sixth degree black belt, and he was an eighth degree black belt before he uh, died. Uh, but uh, Ed Parker wasn't to be found. But he was in uh, in Pasadena. He came um, he came with uh, two cars. I think one of them was with his um, uh, bodyguard, and the other guy was uh, manager. Uh, the uh, the manager was driving by himself, and uh, Elvis was with his bodyguard in the uh, other car. One of them was uh, a um, Jaguar, and uh, he, you know, I, I was very impressed. He was very nice. Uh, he looked in good health, and um, he was uh, an overall nice guy. He showed me his guns. He opened his coat, took out his... Uh, he didn't remove the guns. He uh, showed me his gun. I, I, I presume they were loaded. And um, it was, I, every, uh, I, I don't know whether the other guy was... Uh, Ed, uh, not Ed Parker, but the Colonel Parker. Uh, he traveled with him all, all the time. And he, uh, he, I think he took advantage of him in his later years. Uh, he got 50% of his uh, income, uh, Colonel Parker, and he ran his, um, ran his career. And after he died, he got his father to sign over the rights to the, his, uh, his um, recordings and so forth. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I think he took advantage. Maybe he didn't, but uh, other people thought he took advantage of, of him. He's taking fifty uh, percent of his profits, uh, and compared to compared uh, uh, um, to usual twenty percent. But uh, he was uh, he was uh, I, you know he's very very nice, very pleasant. Probably because he was in the studio, and uh, he was sort of home and working out. And uh, he didn't work out at the time, but uh, he was uh, he was very proficient in um, in karate, and um, uh, he was um, talked in a quiet voice, uh, very uh, uh, talked about his guns and. Uh, I didn't really understand why he had so many guns, but he was a gun collector. He had over uh, 50 guns at the time of his death, and including some uh, uh, mechanized guns and guns with big clips and so forth. And he, uh, they were all sold off, on his, well, not all, but some of them were sold off after his death. He was... Um, I was very impressed with him. He was uh, quiet, good-looking, uh, and it was 1971. And I was a uh, well, I wasn't a beginner. I was uh, I had uh, um, I would take karate, uh, uh, hapkido karate, and my uh, my instructor just <laughs> disappeared. He went off to. Uh, do you ever hear of the Billy Jack movies? Yes, 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 he, yes, yes. He, he he did all the uh, moves in the Billy Jack uh, movies. Uh, uh, Tom Laughlin was in it, and his wife Dodie. Dodie. 
and um, he uh, did all the um, he, he did all the moves. His name was Bong Su Han, and he was a great guy. But he disappeared, <laughs> and I said I I wanted to do some karate, and I um, uh, took up with uh, Kempo Karate. I didn't really um, enjoy it because I enjoy I enjoyed it to a point. But the Kempo, um, Kempo Karate has a lot of uh, fighting in it. And uh, Hapkido didn't because uh, he thought uh, Bong Su Han felt I, I agreed with him. You had to pull your punches. You didn't want to try to really hurt someone. You try to pull your punches and, and get attacks uh, and so forth. And um, I don't think that... Uh, I, I didn't agree with uh, the, the technique. And the other guy, the other, uh, I don't know whether you want to hear about my experience in Campo uh, Karate, but I got a funny thing I got out of it uh, because I uh, there was a guy taking um, karate. He was from UCLA. He was a professor at UCLA. And he had a, a um, in fighting, he lost one testicle. And wow. He, he kept, he kept, <laughs> he kept that's what, that wasn't the problem. You only need one, but he was still fighting. And I said, you know, it's not for me. And I was older than the most of the guys in the, uh, uh, the, the uh, karate studio. But anyhow, they... they but uh, you know, I was you know really impressed uh, with Elvis. Uh, very nice guy, and I had a long talk with him about guns. And I didn't know enough about guns. He was talking me about guns, and he was uh, he was uh, I didn't see him, uh, but he would. Um, I I heard that he would uh, when the, he would. Uh, take the gun to the television set, blast it, every time the Mel Torme and uh, Robert Goulet appeared. And I don't know why he had it in for um, uh, Goulet and, and Mel Torme, but uh, they were, uh, maybe he was jealous or something, but, uh, and he had a, um, a great uh, range of voice, Ellis did. I mean, um, Elvis did. A great range of voice. It was about two and a half octaves. And he, he was a great singer. He had a great voice. And he died young. I don't know. Um, and he, he got a lot of, a lot of uh, prescriptions, drugs, uh, at the time of his death. And uh, they exhumed the body after he died. Uh, he died in 1935. Uh, I know it's, um, when did he die? Um, I think it was, uh, he, it was one, uh, anyhow, he, he, he died at age 42. And uh, there were drugs in his system at the time of death. They may have contributed to his death, but he had an enlarged heart. So that was the main cause of his death. But uh, I really liked the guy, and he was he was a nice guy. 
We've got a, a tremendous guest with us today. Ronald Kugler joins us here on the big broadcast talking about a, uh, an amazing book that he's got out there. You have some uh, – you're talking about the three-part series here. This, what, what, was, what was the whole reason of writing a three-part series? Well, I didn't start off with writing it, but I got uh, – I, I, um, I think that the, um, um, the FBI and the um, CIA uh, – well, it's generally accepted they dropped the ball on the uh, 9-11 attack. And um, I wanted to, to prove uh, that they could have done better. And uh, in the third book, I take this up. He became a, a United States senator in uh, 1986, uh, my protagonist. Uh, he was a psychiatrist, actually, <laughs> and uh, um, he, uh, in the third book, uh, I'm not half through with it, but um uh, will be published in, uh, in August of next year. He's uh, elected to the Senate at the end of the second book, and he actually becomes uh, vice president and president eventually. You'll have to tune in later and find out what happens in the book. <laughs> But uh, he um, he averts the um, the um, 9/11 attack, and um, I think I'm going to put him into the uh, uh, the um, uh, the Iraq War. I don't think uh, I think there's agreement uh, because of the lack of weapons of mass destruction. And I think that we uh, went into the war very uh, early or too early, and we better we were better off in leaving Saddam Hussein in, in charge, even though he was not the world's uh, nicest guy. So um, I'm working on, working on that in the in the uh, book. But I've got elected I uh, got him elected to the uh, United States Senate in California. <laughs> we've got a uh, we've 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 got a tremendous guest with us today. Ronald Kugler joins us here on the big broadcast. Um, I I definitely uh, enjoyed talking to you today, my friend. I know we've kind of run out of time here, but I'm looking forward to talking to you Sunday and okay. uh, chatting with you about some more of your martial arts exploits and also uh, covering a little bit more about the books. So thanks for coming on today, my friend. I do appreciate your time. Okay, you're quite welcome. I enjoy. From birth dates to street addresses and phone numbers, numbers that correspond with the letters of her names can impact our success. For athletes, the right jersey number may affect their performance and careers. We investigated the story around how numerology can make or break you in sport. Beyond the Cheers was joined recently by astro-numerologist 
Jesse Kelsey. Listen to the entire broadcast to find out why Jeter wears number two. If Joe Montana wearing number 16 had a play in winning four Super Bowls or why Michael Jordan wore 23 and much, much more. Are you wearing the right number? I'm Dave Ferguson of BeyondTheCheers.com and this has been a Beyond the Cheers moment. Now, the Jiggy Jaguar Show on JiggyJaguar.com. Coast to coast and border to border all over TalkRadioX.com and 50 plus stations across the U.S. and Canada. I'm, of course, Jiggy Jag. And uh, thanks for tuning in to the big broadcast from the Transmedia Worldwide Studios in the Great Salt City of Hutchinson, Kansas. We are live each and every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern, and 12 to 3 Pacific, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. On the TuneIn apps and radio loyalty as well, our podcast is available each and every evening at JiggyJaguar.com. And if you miss anything at all, we have Jiggy Jag Instant Replay, which is a 24-7 loop on our website. And also, we are broadcasting each and every morning at TalkSuperStation.com. If you miss anything at all, join us over there. We are their morning show. And uh, we've got a great guest with us today. Rose Colombo joins us. She's a public speaker. She's an author. She's an authoritative coach, a self-help advocate, and uh, she's a radio talk show host herself on the website FightBackLegalAbuse.com and uh, also on Twitter at Rose, the number four, Justice. Rose Colombo, welcome to the broadcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me on your show. I appreciate it. Now, you have uh, an incredible background here. First of all, let, let's talk about the public speaking. How did you get involved in uh, being a public speaker? Well, I got involved in being a public speaker because I became a legal advocate and a legal coach for victims of legal abuse who suffered injustices within the legal system, in the court system, and... Um, <clears throat> And I teach them how to become survivors and how to work their way through the dark side of justice and work their way out of, out of the dark tunnel and so they're able to see a, a light at the end of the tunnel because it's a very lonely place to be and it's a, it's a difficult place to be when you are suffering from injustices and legal abuses within the legal system. Rose Colombo joins us today here on the program. You can find her at fightbacklegalabuse.com. She's a legal advocate for justice. She's consulted with uh, all sorts of different people from uh, victims of legal abuse who became survivors. Uh, you've, you've got all sorts of different things here. First of all, let, let's let, we're gonna in in the next segment we're gonna talk about your book. Uh, fight back legal justice. It's uh, gotten five star reviews on Amazon. We will uh, we'll talk about that in our next segment. But uh, to to finish up this segment here, um, how did how did you get interested in doing uh, the blogging and the radio shows and all these things? You've gotten a you've got a great background in the media world. You, you've you've done some things uh, with some town hall meetings. You've done all sorts of things. Tell us about your background in multimedia, my friend. Absolutely. Um, I was actually a victim of legal abuse, and I was caught up in the legal system for 15 years. So I decided to take my experience, which was not a good experience, it was a horrendous experience, and learn everything I possibly could, not about justice, but about injustice, because 
I realized I couldn't be the only person out there that was suffering from legal abuse. And so I took that information, did research, did documentation, did interviews, and took it into the media, interviewing victims of legal abuse on talk radio, created a talk radio show, and then created a cable TV show in my local area, and interviewed lawyers and politicians and uh, tried to find solutions to all the corruption. And, of course, um, as most Americans can see now, the entire nation is being legally abused. We've got a great guest with us today here on the big broadcast. Rose Colombo joins us. She is a... uh, She's she's done all sorts of different things. She's a writer. She's held some town hall meetings. She's a blogger. She's uh, been on cable TV shows, radio talk shows. She's she's done all sorts of things. Tell me about your newspaper t- column that you've got here entitled "One Woman's Opinion." Tell us about this. Yes, well, that was a um, newspaper column uh, that I created after the. Um, the local newspaper contacted me in Orange County, California, and saw me on television, on my local cable television show, talking to the victims and lawyers about all these injustices. And they asked me if I would write some stories for them. So I created a column. Um, I, I don't do it currently. I do blogging. But um, I was, for two or three years, creating. I created a column called uh, One Woman's Opinion, and uh, told of uh, stories that were of human interest on how people get caught up in the legal system and what happens to them and how difficult it is when they find themselves with a biased uh, judge or a um, or an unethical lawyer who sells them down the river and they run out of money. We've got leave them hanging. <laughs> yes, they do. They very much do leave them hanging. Twenty three minutes after the hour, Rose Colombo joins us today here on the program. She's got a, uh, a great website, fightbacklegalabuse.com. It's fightbacklegalabuse.com. Tell us about this website. Um, the website is created to um, to to expose how the victims of legal abuse that I've helped actually were helped. So I give some of the testimonials, which is only a few of the testimonials that I was able to come to their rescue, and not as a lawyer, but as a peer who had been through the injustices, but figured out um, it, figured out ways to help them move through it so that they could avoid more suffering, and even if they didn't win their case, they could actually survive and become motivated to move on because that's a really important part of being a victim. Most of them believe that they can't go on any longer. So the important part is not only to get them through the system, but to help them and motivate them to move on with their lives because there is life after legal abuse. Rose Colombo, uh, <laughs> tell tell, tell us a little bit about words. that, because there well, you you bring you bring up a terrific point. There is life after legal abuse. Break it down for us. Yes. Well, the bottom line is that people must realize that that it's important to know as much as they possibly can about their lawyer before they hand over the big check, because lawyers are very charming and they are charismatic and 
they make you feel as if if you hand them that big check, all your worries are going to disappear. And many times your worries have only just begun. And people don't know that because they do trust their lawyers and they, they put them on a pedestal and think they're going to save them. But sometimes even the best lawyers can't win against corrupted judges. So it's really an interesting system that we have because it is self-policing, self-protecting, self-disciplining for self-gain. And lawyers are loyal to the judge. That's their, their first loyalty is to the judge and then to each other. So people think that the opposing lawyer is um, an enemy of their lawyer. But in fact, they have lunch together. (laughs) And you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And so people have to learn, and this is another thing I teach them, is how they have to stay on top of their own case if they do want to win. You, You have to be involved with your own case. You can't just hand papers over to a lawyer and think he's going to take care of it and that's the end of it. Sometimes he does absolutely nothing then tells you he's run out of money and he needs some more money, and people keep writing checks until they're broke. And uh, so people need to be proactive in their own case. And there's, there's a lot of footwork sometimes that people need to do themselves and bring that information to the lawyer because sometimes lawyers will not go much further than they have to because everything costs money. It's, it's, not, um, it's not about justice. It's about how much justice can you afford. Justice is for sale. It's never on sale. And so the, the important part to remember is that most, uh, most wealthy people can afford quite a bit of justice. So they're in a different ball game, and so there's three tiers of justice. There's the very wealthy, who can buy their way out. There's the middle class, who can buy some justice because they might own a home and retirement funds and savings. And then there's the poor, and of course, there's very little justice for the poor. So, um, so there's three different levels of justice. And when you go into court, people should not expect justice. They should expect a decision. All they're going to get is a decision. Whether it's good or bad, it's a decision. They're not going to get justice. And so if they go in with that attitude, they're going to come out a little stronger than people who are going to, who most people come out of the court system very depressed because they were seeking justice. But if people look at our, our government today, and it's run by mostly lawyers, and how the system is nearly bankrupted and pilfered, then they ought to get a good idea of how justice doesn't work for all people. Many people end up in the courts of no justice. And, and it's a sad commentary, but... Once you get caught up in the legal system, you're looking at financial, physical, and emotional distress. And so you want to get out of that system as quickly as possible. And there's the situations where you have a divorce case. And in a divorce case, 
the two people sometimes want to battle it out. Yep. And what yep. they don't realize is that what they're doing is they're feeding into the the the, lead, the lawyers' bank accounts, and they don't really care if it takes eighteen years to get through the system. Well, the what, only people they're hurting is themselves and their children. Well, I hate I hate to cut you off. We've got to take a quick time out here, but hold the line, and uh, we will be back with you here in just a few moments. We've got Rose Colombo with us. When we come back, we've got more. So keep it locked, keep it loaded to the world. Famous Cheeky Jaguar, your show. At dollarseed.com, all of our seeds are only a dollar a pack. And we have online resources that teach you all about the rewarding hobby of growing your own plants, flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Imagine the joy you'll feel when your children actually help you harvest your first garden crop, or the pride of knowing you'll never need a florist again. Visit dollarseed.com and grow a little magic of your own for just a dollar. Dollarseed.com. What could be healthier? Have you tried HireContractor.com? It's a great site for home or property owners and contractors. Are you a contractor and have you signed up? If not, you're missing out on free leads. Don't delay. Register for free on HireContractor.com and get project leads by email on a regular basis. There are no per-lead fees, no sign-up costs, and no credit card needed to sign up. Contractors can list their profile on HireContractor.com with past projects, licenses, certifications, insurance, and references. You got a home improvement project? Post it for free on HireContractor.com. And contractors will get back to you with quotes or questions on your project. Review contractor profiles or ratings and select contractors you want to work with. Try HireContractor.com now. You've got nothing to lose. Are you a writer? Do you have a great story for a movie? Scriptapalooza is accepting entries to their 16th annual screenwriting competition. We have over 90 producers reading all the entries and over 50000 in cash and prizes. Does your script have what it takes to win the $10,000 first place prize? Visit scriptapalooza.com for more info. That's www.scriptapalooza.com. Hollywood is calling. Do you hear that? You can hear great tracks like this at Smooth Jazz Nation Power. Find them on YouTube. Smooth Jazz Nation Power. Or communicate with them on Twitter. Nation underscore jazz. Oh, yeah. Smooth Jazz Nation. The official page of Smooth Jazz Nation for non-stop jazz mixes. The best of all the greatest jazz musicians who have ever lived. Broadcasting out of Atlanta, GA. Check out Smooth Jazz Nation on YouTube. Do it today. Smooth Jazz Nation.
Welcome back to the world-famous Chiggy Jaguar Show, coast-to-coast and border-to-border. All over the World Wide Web and on 50-plus stations across the U.S. and Canada. We've got a great guest with us today. She uh, joined us in our last segment. We wanted to have her here to talk about her book. By the way, the website is fightbacklegalabuse.com. Rose Colombo with us today. And uh, she's got a great book out there. In fact, you have two uh, two books. Amazon is uh, the place you can pick them up. You can also get, uh, we've got links to those books on our website at JiggyJaguar.com. And you can uh, purchase the purchase through our website through the Amazon link. And we get a little bit of a commission. And you also get to pick up uh, the guest's incredible, incredible work here. And uh, it, it's kind of a holding hands kind of thing that we do here. Um, let's, let's talk about your first book. This one an Irwin Award, yes, indeed, the great Irwin Zucker, uh, Fight Back Legal Abuse. It's got some five-star reviews. It is just absolutely astounding. Tell us about this book. Well, I was really pleased because the Amazon critic actually said it was a magnificent book. And um, national talk show hosts have recommended, they said, even to celebrities, everyone should read it. It's been seen around the world in print in the Journal of Science and Commerce or Commerce and Science, Yes, and it's also been seen and recommended by the Veterans Reporters newspapers, as well as the Daily Law Journals, read by judges and lawyers. So it's a, it's a really unique book because it has 25 years of information that people don't wouldn't ordinarily get. Um, it tells true stories of what happens to people who... Um, who the, the, the legal system uh, is a mystery to them, and most people know nothing about the legal system, and it tells true stories about how people end up victims of legal abuse and wrongfully end up going to jail or taking a plea bargain, even if they're 100% innocent, or even going to their deaths, and, um, <clears throat> and then later on finding out they were innocent. And then a judge overturns the decision. Well, I'm sure while they're in heaven, they're very happy about that. And uh, so, and it gives some history of the family law courts and how it became a big business. And so it's it's a really interesting uh, self-help book for people who either are involved in the legal system and also for people who have not been involved in the legal system. It's a total eye-awakener. And um, and it it also provides um, samples and examples of common legal forms, and and it tells you how to protect yourself from your own attorney, because most people think <laughs> that they only need to protect themselves from the opposing attorney, but many times people end up in a lawsuit against their own attorneys or filing complaints against their own attorneys or fighting over the legal fees, and uh, there are cases, and I've experienced it myself, where after you run out of money and you think they've done the work, they ask you like two weeks before the trial for $10,000 or $5,000 or $20,000, and they tell you that if you don't pay up, then they can't take you to trial. So there are very important issues that people will have a much easier time going through the system if they are aware of the pitfalls. So I try to make people aware of the pitfalls because, as I said, 
the legal system remains a mystery to most people. Uh, there isn't such a thing as a simple case. There isn't such a thing as a slam-dunk case. I have my evidence. I'm going to win, period. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen in a court case, and it can get very costly and very time-consuming. So I try to educate people uh, to be a little bit ahead of the game so that they don't end up in poverty and bankrupted and without their children and their homes when they walk out the door of the courthouse. And believe me, it happens every day. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's the thing, is there, there is a lot of things that happen. Um, it, is, it is just a, an amazing, amazing struggle here with the, the legal system. Now, uh, tell us a little bit more about this book. Um, what is the overall theme of this book? How to protect yourself from yes, your own yes, attorney. Yes, yes, yes. The, 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 the very first book. Yes, indeed. Yes. The theme is how to protect yourself from your own attorney so that you don't end up in these pitfalls and you don't end up a victim of legal abuse of a corrupted or biased judge. Especially if you have a lot of money, it's very easy to one party or the other, especially women, to get sold out. Yes. And uh, the two attorneys end up making a deal behind the scenes, and they think their attorney's working for them, but in fact their attorney's working against them. So that's why I say people must be involved in their case, and I teach them what to look for. And, um, and I mean, no one can guarantee that someone's going to win their case. No one. Not even a lawyer can guarantee that he's going to win your case, even if he's totally ethical. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen in a courtroom, and you never know what a judge is going to do. And that's really scary because you're standing before a stranger, and maybe he's in a bad mood. Maybe you look like his ex-wife and he hates her. So you, you know, you're, you're. It's a very scary place to be as a courtroom. Well, who do you envision to be the potential readers for this book? Um, well, anyone who is seeking information on the legal system, anyone who is a litigant in the legal system, and they're caught up in, uh, they believe that maybe they're caught up in some injustices or constitutional violations, or, or actually, I have lawyers read this book. I just got a, uh, an email yesterday saying what a wonderful book this is, and she wants to uh, speak to me because. She's suing some of the uh, the court experts who uh, she believes were corrupted. So, I mean, it's interesting because um, there are lawyers who are ethical and believe that the system works for everybody, and then they start to get into the system and represent clients, uh, and they find out that, there's something really I, – I've had lawyers say to me, there's something really wrong here, but I don't know what it is in this particular courtroom. And, of course, the answer is corruption. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's judges who take bribes. I mean, that's documented. And it's documented in newspapers. It's documented in a book by the prominent attorney, Jerry Spence. It's documented in uh, 
you know, in in the Daily Law Journal sometimes. So, I mean, there are uh, uh, judges who take bribes. So if you have a lot of money involved in a case, you know, you you don't know what's going on. In yes, the, um, yes. In in the chambers, you know, when he calls the lawyers to the back room. So there's there's so much, so much information that is not provided to the people by lawyers because they're not going to provide them this information. Yeah. Only someone who has walked through the fires and the dark side of justice and has seen it and experienced it uh, understands and can help their uh, fellow Americans to try, to try to help them avoid these pitfalls. And it can be very costly if they don't. I mean, if they, if Americans want to stay, um, you know, they don't, they don't have an account for a lawyer, you know, a savings account. People have a savings account for Christmas or to buy a new home or to buy a new car, but no one has, I bet you, not one person in this nation has an account for an emergency that involves the legal system. And the average cost for a criminal case, I was told by a lawyer, is $7,000. That's a minor criminal case. And it can go all the way up to 100000 or more. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So they're going to be taking their money from that, um, that home, that dream home they wanted, if something, if injustices come knocking on their back door unexpectedly and giving it to the lawyers. Because if you have teenagers, anything can happen, you know, to anybody at any time. You get stopped by a cop, something bad happens. Now you're in a criminal court. That's 7000 up, according to the lawyers I've spoken with. So wow. people haven't a clue how expensive it is to get through the legal system. Well, see, the, uh, I, I will have to say that when uh, we, were, we were very blessed when, <laughs> when, when, we, when we went to court and was being brought up on uh, all sorts of false craziness charges, uh, basically attacking our First Amendment freedom of speech. And uh, there was all sorts of other nonsense that they, they it, it it's it's fun. It, it involves six hours and a racist in Salina, but uh, basically, <laughs> what it comes down to, my friend, is uh, it, it was expensive. And if and if we wouldn't have had. Um, that would have been an expensive legal bill if we wouldn't have had one of our listeners in a uh, in a foreign country step up and pay for our legal fees. Uh, oh that would have been a a, a very very much uh, a big bill. <laughs> that's 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 the best I can put it. Is that would have been a big bill. You were so lucky. <laughs> but um, I will have to say that 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 is. That is the uh, the name of the game. So, yeah, it is. It's it's about how much justice can you afford, and also one of my comments to uh, my uh, customers or clients is um, there is justice for some, and there's a chapter in the book on that. There is justice for some, S U M with the dollar sign, and for some, S O M E. 
but not justice for all. Yes. So, you know, and so, yeah, that's, um, you know, it, it's a book on how to protect yourself, you know, without going through the pitfalls the best, the best way you can by educating yourself on the pitfalls. And also, when you go into the court system, it's like a foreign language. Yes. And so there's um, there's quite a few there's quite a few examples and samples in the in the back of the book that um, are common are common forms and wordings that words that uh, they use in the system that people can can familiarize themselves with. So because it's very frightening. I mean, if you go into the system and they're using these legalese and uh, big words. And people are sitting there, and the average citizen, and they don't even know what they're talking about. You know, it's a, like a foreign language to them. So it's up to people to be proactive and read books such as mine and and books such as, uh, you know, others have put out, like Jerry Spence, and, and, and empower themselves. If you, knowledge is power. And as long as as long as they keep people in the dark and keep the legal system a mystery, and people don't talk about it because they're afraid to speak out about it, uh, because judges and lawyers are yes. like to be on pedestals, then then they will remain victims or end up becoming a victim. And and once you become a victim, it's easy to get in the system. It's very difficult and very expensive to get out of the system. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a uh, a timeout here. We've got Frank Benuccio coming up, but I thank you for being with us today. This is definitely. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.